0: Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a
1: defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to the Burden Blessing podcast. As we continue on in this skeptic series, I am Pastor Neil Radical, and joining me again today is Pastor Mark Tiefel. Good to see you today, Mark.
0: Good to be here, Neil,
1: to discuss with you. Yes, so we have done about half a dozen of these skeptic series questions, and the one we're looking at today, gets a little bit more political. And the statement that a skeptic might say is, even Jesus resisted. The government. So the first question I would ask you when we look at that statement: How do you respond to someone who says, "Well, Jesus Himself resisted the government, so we are able to do the same thing as well"?
0: Well, it's interesting because it's not really a question, right? It's more of an, a, a statement that's already accepted as fact, and I think that's pretty predominant in our world today. That because of perhaps high political tensions in in our nation today, a lot of people want to claim that Jesus would have been on their political side, and this would be the political side that sees the merit in resisting whatever the government is enacting or whatever the law is. So I think the first response would be very simply to ask for examples of that. There's sort of this assumption, I think, out there that Jesus was a political figure that was here to show some sort of radical uh, transformation against the government that was in place and start some sort of new political slash spiritual movement. But that's really not at all accurate according to the scripture, not only through what we see Jesus teach, but also through what we see him do. And so I would simply begin, if somebody threw that premise out, that jesus resisted the government so we can i would ask for examples of that in the bible
1: is there better examples that actually would counter that thought so in other words if someone's saying that jesus resists the government and you're saying okay give me some examples of that what if they just said well i can't i can't think of any examples right now but He was obviously against the Jews and Pharisees and obviously didn't agree with the way Rome was behaving. So how would you respond to giving examples of Jesus not resisting the government if we're against that statement?
0: Absolutely. I think that's where that response naturally leads into, where I don't think think the person is going to be able to bring a lot of examples, if any, of Jesus actively resisting the government to play. And then that lo- allows the next question of, well, let me show you some examples where Jesus is actually telling you to follow the government. Now, I think the most obvious one would be the fourth commandment. We recognize that the fourth commandment was not just about the family relationship, but it was about authority figures in one's life. So the expectation from God and that commandment dating back to the Old Testament is that we are to respect those in authority, even if we disagree with them, we think about, again, think about the family relationship, which is most basic. Uh, A child disagrees with their parent all the time. And sometimes the child might be right, but God still expects there to be respect of that authority, um, which does not necessarily equate to blindly following, but still respecting of the authority. So Jesus made it very clear on a number of occasions that he did not come to rewrite the law or to bring something different into place, he came to fulfill the law. And that includes the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And I think to a certain extent, it could also include some of the civil laws that were in place in the Jewish nation as well, that Jesus did not come as somebody to abolish those things. Think of Matthew 5, verse 17 as a very foundational passage in that regard, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, I, do, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill. So he was making it very clear from the very beginning of his ministry that he was not here to bring some new message that was opposed to what God wanted his people to do in the Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill what God gave. Now, he looked different because the culture, the religion the, the movement of the Jewish nation had changed so drastically from what God intended it to be in the Old Testament. By the time Jesus was, came to earth, the way that God wanted things to be did not look that way in many, many instances. And so Jesus would look like a revolutionary. He would look like he was bringing some radical new agenda, but it really wasn't anything different than what God ordained from the very beginning.
1: So, do you think that this statement, even Jesus resists the government in itself, is kind of a trap? Because the way you were explaining it a little bit ago makes it sound like it's a crutch almost for people who want to use Jesus as a reason or a leader into us resisting the government today.
0: I would say trap, perhaps, but maybe more more specifically, an assumption. But I think somebody, if 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 they're arguing about the the reason or logic of this premise, it certainly could be a, a logical trap that they're they're trying to use to. Promote a personal agenda. But I think for most people, it's an assumption that they make from the onset, which governs how they want to live their life moving forward.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I I think it's helpful because I, I brought up the reason trap because we know in Jesus' ministry that he was often tried to have be trapped in his own words as far as the government in those days being the Roman government. So If you look at Luke 20, for example, when you have the the leaders of the law, and the Pharisees coming to Jesus, you know, they, they were trying to trap him and they assumed that Jesus was going to be against the Roman government. So they tried to ask him if he was going to pay taxes to Caesar or not and show his loyalty to either Rome or the Jewish nation. And so I feel like this is a very similar concept because ultimately we're told from the word of God who we should obey. And that's why I like that you brought that back to that. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the trap that Jesus tried to show and why we shouldn't get trapped in these kinds of assumptions that you just mentioned?
0: Yeah, what you see in that section that you mentioned is that Jesus typically had more of an issue with the Jewish people and their way of doing things than he did with the Romans. So it's important to understand the context of the culture at this time in the gospel accounts. The Romans are the political authorities. The Jewish authorities are really just sort of puppets of that are allowed to do something under the guise of Roman authority. So if Jesus was somebody who was actively resisting the government, we would expect that to be directed at the Romans. But in Luke chapter 20, the section you mentioned, Jesus says we should pay taxes to the Romans. We should. Uh, obey the government that's in authority.
1: So ultimately, Mark, when you're saying that Jesus was including Roman authority, you are pointing to the fact that Jesus was not resisting the Roman leadership, even though he didn't obviously agree with everything that Rome was all about. So your point is that, yes, you pay taxes, even if you don't always agree with everything that the government is saying or doing. That's yeah, part of being I think that dismissiveness. Submissive,
0: I think that's the point Jesus is making: is that paying taxes as a form of respecting the authority does not go away, just if there are elements about the government that maybe aren't the best, or maybe that you don't agree with. And there were certainly many ungodly, not just personal opinion issues, but ungodly elements of the Roman government at that time. They supported paganism and idolatry. And yet Jesus said it wasn't a violation of one's conscience to pay taxes. In fact, he told them to do that. So that's that's the line that Jesus is asking us to walk, is to be discerning in upholding the fourth commandment to respect those in authority, while also recognizing that our priority is to God. What and so... You- Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just, to, just to close with the, the Luke 20 section there where he's talking about paying the taxes, the issue of that section, like you mentioned, are the Jewish people who are trying to corner Jesus, who are trying to test him. And that's really what Jesus is trying to expose there. So there's an example where Jesus was more preoccupied in trying to help the Jewish people see the spiritual blind spots that they had rather than speaking against the political authority of the Roman government. And I think that that's something we can take for ourselves and say, I should probably have the same proportion in mind when it comes to my life.
1: So let's say you've convinced me on paying taxes and being submissive to the government. What about specific leaders? You know, we can look at our own day and be like, well, I don't agree with this president or that president, whatever it might be, or different governors, whatever, whatever the situation might hold on to you know with all the political stuff that's going on right now you know the the mass policies and all these things couldn't we say that jesus was resistant to specific government leaders like Pilate or herod i mean he didn't cater to their whims he didn't lots of times we see during the season of lent he didn't even speak to them when they spoke to him so it seems like he's showing some disrespect there as well
0: Absolutely could be assumed from that, but I think that I would I would point out that if you look carefully at the text, there's more going on there than might appear on the surface. And it's interesting that we're recording this on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. We're going to be getting into the direct confrontation of Jesus and Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, which is really the the major. Example in his life and ministry of interacting with an official leader from the Roman government. And I think this section about the way that Jesus interacts with Pilate is foundational to this question because it helps us understand Jesus's purpose on earth. And the interaction with Pilate shows that Jesus was not interested in an earthly kingdom. John 18 says very clearly in Jesus Jesus speaking directly, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, I would fight. So what Jesus is declaring right there is making very clear he's not here for a political purpose. And that was a shock to Pilate because Pilate, who is probably somebody who is all about political motivations and methods and means and those types of things, couldn't believe that somebody would willingly subject themselves to an unfair punishment and not fight back and not try to gain and consolidate some type of authority and power here on earth. And Jesus, basically his message was, I don't care about that. I'm here for a different purpose. Now you mentioned, why didn't Jesus respond to Pilate directly? Why did he remain quiet? Well, I think you, you look in the context there of what was going on. There was a lot of false accusation. There were false witnesses, There were shouts. It was a very unruly situation. And and that's where Jesus simply just submitted himself to knowing this wasn't going to turn out in a a fair way. It was what God had ordained. The punishment had to be rendered and that the silence of Jesus even goes back to a prophecy of Isaiah where he opened not his mouth. So God knew and, and had promised that this would be the way that the suffering servant would be treated And he would simply respond by accepting this punishment. And Jesus knew this was what he had to do as a savior. So when you look at that context, it's not him trying to be annoying or disrespectful by not replying to Pilate. It's Jesus recognizing these people aren't really interested in the truth for one thing, but also this is my purpose here to suffer and die. I need to accept this and move forward. And so you see Jesus not showing disrespect to Pilate, but showing respect to his heavenly father and the will that needed to be accomplished for our salvation.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I like the way you brought that back to the reason why Jesus was silent. He he was on the path to not resist the government or like Barabbas, start a rebellion. His purpose was to come and redeem the world from its sin. And so he knew he was on that path. So ultimately, how kind of the last... Question I want to ask you is if Jesus, if we're demonstrating today in our brief study, our brief discussion, that Jesus wasn't one to resist the government, but to follow the fourth commandment and honor those who are in authority, even if he didn't respect what they said or did, he showed respect in how he submitted to them. But how do we bring that into our own modern day when when we have all around us people who want to use Jesus or the Word of God as an example to ignore or resist the government what is there scripture or is there good insight or advice on how we can handle that that ongoing dichotomy between those two sides of being submissive and then resistive resistant?
0: That's a really good question because that's ultimately what the individual is going to be confronted with and and when you mentioned trying to strike that balance between, being re- respectful of those in authority, but also, you know, resisting or, you know, maybe respectfully disobeying when we need to. I think Acts 529 provides a good model where it says we must obey God rather than men. And so I, I believe the proper approach has always been the, the, the only time that God gives us the right to respectfully disobey the government is is in matters where it presents something that conflicts with our faith or something that would be dangerous to our relationship with God. So you mentioned some of the more recent things happening in the world today, mask wearing, um, you know, mandates, restrictions, uh, rules by the government that are taking emergency powers in certain situations, those types of things. The Christian needs to ask him or herself is this something that is dangerous to my faith? Is this something that is causing me to do something that God is forbidding in his word? And I think that with a lot of the recent things we've been through, we have to be really careful with that because at the end of the day, the Bible doesn't say anything specific about mask wearing, vaccines, emergency powers from the government. We have to be very, very careful about how we take these modern day situations and, uh, and use scripture to make a right or wrong about our approach. I think there's a lot of a lot of flexibility that needs to be understood. Now, at the same time, I will admit this does not mean we should simply blindly follow those in authority either. God has given us a reason, an intellect, a brain to use to think about the situation. Jesus said in another instance, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So to use our, our intellectual capabilities to understand the situation we are in. But also, we all have to remember, too, that God gives certain authority to the government. And there are times when the government may misuse that or step beyond the bounds of what God has allowed them to do. So those are other factors that go in, too. So I think the point is, for the Christian who's walking through this, which we all will and do at some point, we have to take everything God's word tells us. We can't cherry pick just because we have an idea about what we want ahead of time. And there are there are a lot of areas of scripture we talk about. Our, our, our question today is about, well, what did Jesus do? That's one area of scripture. There's a lot of other parts that talk about this relationship between our freedom and the government's respect and authority. So we and in each situation that we encounter is going to have different factors and different variables. And so we'll have to take that whole council of scripture into account and then apply it in those individual circumstances.
1: I think that's really well said as far as trying to apply God's word to the circumstances is going to be an ongoing study. And that's why I think it's important for us to have discussions like this, whether we have someone make this statement to a, us or not. And really the three points that I wanted to try to summarize, you can comment on these after I summarize our discussion here, Mark. If someone says, even Jesus resisted the government, you know how I like alliteration. The first thing we want to think about is that assumption. Use that word, I think, very well. Are they assuming that Jesus resisted the government? What do we need to do? We need to take them back to the word of God. Have them show us where they believe Jesus resisted the government and let us have the opportunity to show them where he didn't. And that really leads into your second point with authority. Jesus had all authority, has all authority over all the government, over Pilate, over Rome, Caesar, all the world. And yet we see that submissiveness in his purpose and coming, his submissiveness in paying taxes, his submissiveness. His submissiveness, I can't say it, submissiveness and how he showed respect to the leaders, even when he didn't have to, when he didn't agree with them. You know, he really, he epitom- epitomized that verse you brought up from Acts 5, 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's ultimately what he was doing he was carrying out his will. And that's where I think it brings to that third point. You got that assumption, you got that authority, and then you ultimately come back to the authenticity of Jesus and his ministry. He did show perfect submission to the governing authorities as we demonstrate today, but more importantly, as you brought out so well with the gospel, that he was showing perfect submissiveness to his father in heaven and carrying out that way of our salvation on the cross. So that's what, what makes Jesus authentic. He didn't come to reign here on earth, but came to give his life so that we would reign with him forever in heaven. So that's why he tells us to set our minds on things above. So I like that you brought in the applications at the end about how do we continue to submit to God's word first and that'll help us lead into the right directions of how we consider the different things that the government's telling us to do or not do. Yeah,
0: I'd like that summary. I think that's a really good way to remember what we've talked about here. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I think your summary indicates when we look at Jesus, what we see is a proportion that was you know, more towards respecting the government than disobeying the government. I think we want to take that same proportion in our life and maybe in a sense, err on the side of caution. If we're in a questionable situation, respect those in authority because we know what God has commanded and then look at, then, you know, continue to look at the situation. But that seems to be the proportion that Jesus had in his life and ministry. You you don't see examples of him being being a, a political activist or, or disrespecting, you see him uh, showing the need to respect in almost all situations.
1: I'd like to close with reading seven verses They're short verses from Romans 13. And as I read through this, I'm going to be picturing how this applies to, we look at Jesus' life, but again, if we believe that God's word is the inspired word of God, and these seven verses really, I think, Describe Jesus so well. Look at this section and look at how Jesus lived. He lived this to the T perfectly. Uh, Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. I think that verse seven there, Mark, really shows the very same thing that Jesus said in Luke 20. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. And you can see again how the Bible perfectly supports itself with the very words of God. We do thank you all for listening in today. Maybe you have more questions, that's okay. Seek first the kingdom of God, the word of God, and the Lord will continue to direct our steps as well. If you have any comments or questions, do continue to reach out to us on our burdenandblessing.org page. Until next time, may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you as we joyfully submit to his authority in our life. In Jesus' name, we give thanks and pray. Amen. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing
0: Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.